Pickaxe. Welcome to Cast Party's Anniversary Month. Cast Party is officially two years old, and we are giving you access to our exclusive bonus content for free to celebrate. For those of you who are not part of the cast and crew over at patreon.com slash castparty, you will be getting a sneak peek of why people love being a part of our Patreon. You will be getting access to behind the scenes throughout this entire month where we sit down for our after show and discuss our thoughts, theories, and more regarding each Cast Party episode. And to end the celebration, we will be releasing the long-awaited, highly anticipated next installment of Enter the Pungent, a hilarious pun-filled one-shot that is all the rave in the Cast Party community. Enter the Pungent is part of our monthly one-shot series, The After Party, where we do hilarious, silly, or downright weird one-shots for you all to enjoy. Some canon, most not, all amazing. Last but not least, our merch store is officially open today for one month only. We have returning favorites like the Matthias's University Sweater or Xander's Supreme Hoodie, as well as some brand new designs to celebrate the anniversary of Cast Party. Check them out before they're locked in the vault at cast-party.myshopify.com. If you enjoy this sneak peek of our exclusive bonus content, join us over on Patreon for hours upon hours of more goodies. Patreon.com slash castparty. It is the best way to support the show so we can continue bringing you the highest quality D&D content that we possibly can, and hopefully do more crazier stuff in the future. Patreon.com slash castparty. We'll see you there. We love you all and can't thank you enough for the support. We hope you enjoy this look behind the scenes. I too am recording. Ricola. Ricola. Watcha. Watcha. Three, two, one. Anna sounded like the mask in Crash Bandicoot when you get the mask. You go, who get a <laughs> I thought I sounded like maybe Primate from Pokemon. Oh, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Behind the scenes, episode 53. Did you know a bolt of lightning can reach 53,000 degrees Fahrenheit? And that is five times hotter than the surface of the sun. What the fuck? Wow. Yo, science is spooky. And people survive that? I guess that's why it makes like glass instantly. Maybe, but it says it can, they can, can. reach that. Oh, Maybe okay. the ones that people get hit with are not that. <laughs> They're the weak ones. Yeah, it's just a little bit of lightning wow. as a treat. But Nigel, I think we've talked about how you want to get hit by lightning so you can have natural natural tattoos. Same. Yeah, exactly. It'll suck, exactly. but I, I will do it. Oh my god. Have you seen what it does to your veins? No. After you get hit by lightning? It literally like gives you like scarring, but it looks like electricity, and it's really cool, but no thank you. I'm not subjecting myself to that. Yeah, I know. So here, here's my rationalization for it. Um, if on the one hand, if I get struck and survive, I might have cool tattoos. I can be like, I got struck by lightning. And then that's all awesome. And on the other hand, if I die, it's not my problem. I don't have to worry about it. Oh my God. Oh, whoa, it is cool. I just right? looked it up. <gasps> One looks like a tree. Yeah, they mostly look like trees. What the heck? All right, so everyone, we're doing things a little bit different today for the people at home. Normally, we record these directly after the episode's done. Not so much this time. We had a very long recording for our last episode, so we're doing this a few days later. 
We are unfortunately down our amazing Vince Perino, but Luis is joining us again. So, Ryan, listener question, go. Da, 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 da. Is it time for questions? Yes, I have uh, two listener questions for you, Luis. Okay. One is actually the end of the rapid fire questions, but when we have people on for more than one episode, we save it for the last one. So, <laughs> this is from Wartor Knight in his rapid fire question list. All right, Luis. So knowing that you've worked with so many other D&D shows, what did you like most about working with Cast Party specifically? Oh, whoa. This is, this is such a <laughs> loaded question. I no, hate it. it. Very easy to answer because I was just talking about it. Compliment us. Ah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so as I was just uh, talking to a friend of mine about you all, oh. uh, it, it, there's just a, a kind of... Oh, this is gonna. Uh, this is. It, there's just a kind of ease and 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 a very genuine like love of the game. And not to say that I haven't played it, you know, with other places that don't have that. Uh, oh yeah. But, um, but there, it just it's, it's it. There's something. I'm just gonna say it because I, I hope this doesn't come off as demeaning in any way because I I find this to be a compliment, but a kind of childlike joy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. With among the group. And mm-hmm. it is, I just, I just love it so much because there's something embedded in the story where it reminds me of why I loved The Hobbit, which was, you know, mm-hmm. it, 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 it just, it felt so good to be in a hero's story where the people all, maybe with the exception of Xander, uh, <laughs> lean towards such goodness, even though, you know, Xander definitely revealed himself to absolutely lean towards that. So I don't know, that's the first thing. That's what I was just talking about with with the, my, my friend Rob. So that's, that's, that, that's my answer. Hell yeah. I love that. Thank you, I know that's perfect. I think having the backstory of everyone being from the real world kind of gives that more like, that in general morality you see from the real world, like it's it's almost like they're they're tapping into that, and so I think that helps in the characters' eyes um, of kind of setting that scene. Like, so the very very early portions of Cast Party, as well as I mean, even to this point, Blueberry, Sebastian, Jet, and sometimes Xander, completely against killing people for a long time, which is so interesting for a D and D group, and I didn't even expect that as we were going in. But like, of course, like still against normal, it. it's still very much wow. against it. <laughs> Of course. It's like one of those things that like I didn't even think about when we started Casper. I'm like, oh, wait, they're not killing the, the NPCs I put in front of them. And I was yeah. like, oh, shit. Yeah, that makes sense. They have the morality. Mm-hmm. They're not used to it happening day to day. It has it has gotten, I don't want to say a little more normal within the party. It's almost like it's anticipated, I want to say. Like, we are expecting it. It's not as big of a shock to us anymore. But... It brings up a very cool aspect of Colin being able to, like, oh, we don't want to kill you, so we left these guys alive, or we knocked them out, we tied them up, we did whatever, for that whole situation to come back around and bite us in the ass because we didn't cut off the loose ends. Or help them. Or help oh. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did it help us? The uh, the Ashen Phoenix guy, who we tied up in oh, yeah. Cleo's uh-huh. dad's house, mm-hmm. came back and was working with May. All right, Luis. I don't recall who brought this up, and I, I sincerely apologize to everyone, but during the last live listen, we were all talking about your name, Lobos's name. Mm-hmm. Did you have a 
a reason for picking Lobos as a name, uh, or is there any sort of meaning behind uh, behind your choice on that? I mean, you know, it's a uh, uh, wolf in Spanish is lobo, so I mm-hmm. kind of um, I kind of imagined him prowling in the night. I don't know. I just sort of for some reason. And this doesn't always happen when I'm starting to like think about like a character and their their nature and how they might be or how they might see things and uh, move about in the world, not just physically, but kind of like how psychologically. And mm-hmm. for some reason, the image of a wolf, you know, and our aspects of it kind of, you know, came to mind. And the one thing for sure is like the lone wolf. And I imagine him spending a lot of his time very alone. I guess I tend to make lonely characters. <laughs> Cut that out. Be friends with folks. Yeah. I mean, I mean, with a backstory of leaving your whole village, that's like the perfect animal yeah. for that choice. Love it. All right, that that's it for the listener questions. Thanks, listeners. Let's do a little bit of a recap of what happened. Xander uh, started out in the pumpkin speaking with Nomura and Blightmore. And he brought you all in to the portal that took you to the astral plane. You headed inside this ominous building on the floating island on the astral sea. You learned of the twins' story as well as their power source. And Xander headed upstairs alone. There was a tense conversation between the twins and Xander. And it quickly ended up with everyone upstairs helping to kill Blightmore and eventually Mora. We got Xander some power back and you later found out that Lobos was a part of the Magistrate. You headed your separate ways, the crew southward towards other villages on this island, this continent, Bakaria, and Lobos, you ran into the Magistrate in Umberdale with Commodore Fulton, along with uh, the Keeper, who the others know about, who left and headed southward. So first of all, what an episode. So much happened, but I do I do want to start off with Luis and and everyone else's reaction to Lobos being a part of the magistrate. After that reveal, did you all kind of think about how much he was studying you for the first two episodes? <laughs> As we were going through the live list and everything recently, I was like, oh my god! Even in me knowing this, I was like, damn, he really got a lot of information out of them, mm-hmm. and he took notes. The first thing I thought of was it was a late session so like we finished up and i just went and laid in bed and like i had to come down from like all the adrenaline so i could actually go to sleep and i was just sitting there and i was laying down and i was like damn lobos was really about the magistrate and the first fucking thing xander said off the beach was hey we're the magistrate's number one enemy yeah <laughs> i was like oh cool oh, nice my God. <laughs> how you just tell people tell strangers that when you have no idea where their allegiances lie i mean it was one dude <laughs> <laughs> we could have taken one dude. I, I remember Lobo saying uh, 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 early on and then again and again that you were too trusting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even little things, like you guys never questioned when, at least out of character, because your characters didn't really know this, Lobos gave that envelope to Lada and was just like, only let someone open this who asks for me by name. I think, Luis, you messaged me either after the session or or during the session saying, this is what it is. If someone from the magistrate comes asking for it, this is for them. Can you give oh. us a, a leak on what actually was in the envelope? Uh, I mean, that's not my call. That's that's for Colin to. He wrote down everything he asked you about. Anything that has to do with L.A., anything that has to do oh. with your other world, oh. where you came from, is in that letter. Yep. Oh. 
Damn. Uh, you know what? I'm here to make things difficult for everyone, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> I, I'm trying to figure out if that's if that's bad, really, for the magistrate to have. I mean, they know. I mean, it's really they just learned that we want to get out of the way, and then we wouldn't be in their hair anymore, right? Yeah. That's so true. what if they just helped us? They're like, okay, you can yeah, leave. Yeah, they're like, hey, we'll get rid of you if you just leave. Oh. Or do they want to come to L.A.? Yeah, did they actually know we were from L.A. before this? Had they known any sort of inkling on what actual plane we were from or location? I don't know if we've ever said it in front of a magistrate. No, we haven't. The only thing that happened somewhat recently was when you were speaking with Ermina. She was like, yeah, so we, we've been searching you. We've been trying to figure you out. We don't have any information on you from before the prison break. Where do you come from? I can't remember exactly how it was, but when Luis and I were going back and forth, I kind of mentioned a little bit of backstory. And if I remember correctly, it was you who brought up being part of the magistrate? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like the idea. You'd give we had you'd given me options in terms of like settings and stuff, different places you could be from. And I definitely yeah, I like the idea that we started bouncing around about um, being uh, an agent of the magistrate, but maybe potentially having some conflicted feelings about it. But I don't know if I really landed on that as a part of his backstory necessarily, but Maybe after encountering the group, some of that started to manifest. I thought it was very interesting, and I, I absolutely had a blast with it. But yeah, I think we talked about this in one of the other behind the scenes that essentially when we were finally booking Luis, I basically told him like, okay, these people know where the airship is going, or at least know where it is in the sky, and this is the places they're going to fly over. Which one of these sounds like a good setting for you? And he chose the Witchfen Forest. And so that's how it ended up being yes. that location rather than a couple others along the way. Oh, and, and I remember one of the things that we talked about was that I, I, there was a couple of like uh, decisions or aspects of the party dynamic or, or just the, the way that they would be towards towards Lobos that I would keep track of because there was always an opportunity for him to completely betray you. I was ready for Lobos to fight the party and die because mm -hmm. that's not he's not going to live. <laughs> Or, you know, try to get away, like try to, you know, like there were all these different options in my mind as if I was taking like this internal pull, like where is he leaning? And he had a baseline already for a couple things, but like even just in, even in the first episode, I saw things getting pulled in to like one direction or another much stronger than some of the other ideas or options that I had in my mind. It was super fun to like kind of come in with that, not a hard decision, but with like an idea of what that might be like and then to just let the way that the party was towards him inform the rest. It was so fun. I think everybody should do what I got to do on your show. It was so cool. <laughs> I do, I have a question about that. So because your, I don't want to say your allegiance was like swaying back and forth, but given that you were a magistrate affiliate, after your encounters with us and seeing what we're like and seeing us talk about the bad things the magistrate's done for the most part, we didn't talk about it too much, but like we talked poorly about the magistrate. Yes. Out of game, Lobos's future does that still lie within the magistrate? Or do you think he's kind of questioning things now that he's back? Funny you should mention, because I wanted to find a way to put this in, and I'm okay that it's not. 
I mean, I imagine Lobos would have found a way to send a message to you all at some point, like a parting message. Mm -hmm. I mean, if anything, if, if possible, he would warn you that something is headed your way, but <laughs> potentially. <laughs> but I think I think he's got a new outlook on life. And I think one of the things that is a newly born drive of his is to find a way to LA. Because if these people who who are the way that you are, if this is where they come from and they're they're all like this, then his impression of LA is that it's a better place than where he's traveled in this plane uh, and, be, and in other planes. He's gone to other planes. So I think that the party changed him and, and gave him a different kind of outlook on what people can be like and the sacrifices that they're willing to make uh, and what they're willing to give up in order to make the right choice. And so right now, which we, we are, I live in LA, so I know how wrong Lobos is. <laughs> but Lobos right now is walking around contemplating that from this other place called LA, this is how these people are. And so I think right now he, 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 he would like to find his way there. That's so interesting. Just, it's funny that you mentioned him wanting to come to to LA because um, for our most recent one shots that we did for like our after party episodes, oh yeah, I was DMing and I made a world where Fendrea and Earth basically collided as two planes and became one. So you know maybe maybe uh, Lobos finds a way to do it and makes those canon. Who knows? Maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's what happens here. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit more about Xander and what happened because nothing happened the way I expected to. So this was, as I said to a little, I think I said to you guys before that this was like one of the most prepared I've been to be unprepared. I had no idea if he was even going to go to the astral plane. I had no idea if he was going to go upstairs alone. I had no idea if he was going to side with Blightmore or Nomura or neither or both of them somehow. Like if he was able to convince them to come together and fight against Omis or yeah. uh, Sire. Oh, shit. I had stat blocks for Nomura, Blightmore, Sire, Omis. We have had access to them? Oh, so that fight could have been fuckier is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> could they have taken us there? Like, where even are they? This was one of the more ones I expected. I genuinely, normally I kind of know what the group's going to do. Genuinely, once Xander got up there and when I was prepping, I was like, I have no fucking idea if he's going to pick Blightmore or Nomura. I want to know all of your thought process, Nigel, because we didn't really, we couldn't really talk about it like in character. Yeah. Because you were upstairs and we were down. We we had no like, no way inside your mind to, to read your thoughts. Speaking of that specifically, when I, when Xander had the thought of saying anything down there and you came in with, I don't, either Nomura or Blightmore being like, don't talk to them. Like that, I, that shut me down immediately. I was like, oh, I mean, I wasn't gonna ask them for advice. I was just gonna <laughs> tell them something. But then I, you know, you made it clear that they're they're obviously in his head. But honestly, this the whole time that I had to deal with this decision and figuring out which way to go. And even like looking back, I'm kind of like, oh, maybe I should have done it this, or I should have tried this, or maybe I should have ended this way or whatever. I was like, during the emotional moments, during the moments where Xander was like visibly scared or like um, having this crisis, I was physically shaking. Like I felt like I was making a decision that 
was going to affect me in real life uh, <laughs> for the next like couple years. I was like, I'm choosing my patron, not Xander choosing his. Like it was, it was a, uh, it was a lot. I was very in it, and like the moral dilemma of like each of them, neither of them was offering anything good. Like it, it neither thing was workable, and it was one of those moments where I always know which direction I would go which is sacrifice the one to save the many and that that's a nigel decision always but in the moment like there wasn't an option that xander would have chosen there that would have made sense or would have been like even though he had to make the decision he has to deal with the consequences of whatever that decision is even just dealing with the party based on the decision that he makes it was unbearable to to him and like we haven't seen him have emotions yet like he's been pretty like even even kilter the whole time even keel throughout the entire show and this is the first time where it's like he has to feel something he has to be in this moment or the episode doesn't happen things don't happen who knows where anything goes we don't have answers we don't do this we don't do that so i was i was having a lot i i was i was feeling a lot of things throughout that I basically, j just to sum up the decision of, like, which direction I went at the end after everything happened, like, I knew that neither of them could survive and keep going, and I was fully prepared to just take, like, a hard left turn into another class, like, fighter or something <laughs> where Xander doesn't need powers, he's just a dude. Mm -hmm. That's what I was expecting. It would have been accurate because if he was just like a dude that's like, I guess I have to learn to fight now. Like he, his stats are not built for that. He has 19 <laughs> charisma. He cannot be a fighter with what, eight strength or whatever it is. So just, just find some ogre gauntlet, uh, some ogre gauntlets or like a frost giant belt, <laughs> then you'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I basically, the thought process I had for landing on going with Nemora's orb was that he took the Blightmore path, which was something that I had said maybe 40 episodes ago that I was like, I kind of wish I went Fiend instead of Celestial. Colin like messaged me afterwards and was like, we can figure that out. <laughs> so we went through all that and uh, I like we went into Fiend and there are a lot of things about the Fiend that I really like. I think that the Fiend is a very interesting and fun subclass to go, go with. But with for Xander, he had this like moment of corruption basically and he felt like I'm, I feel powerful and I can do this and I can do that. He probably sees it as the reason he was able to kill Hermina, but he wasn't able to help his friends anymore because he couldn't send the good vibes, the healing light. Like he couldn't do that anymore. And he didn't like not being able to support the people around him like they're supporting him. So it was a uh, like for him, it was just like he knew by that point which direction it was going. And he's like, that, you know, that one is the one that makes sense. If I can't take both, I'll take the one that makes sense. I made you do a constitution saving throw when you picked up both of them. And I'm like, fuck it. DC 20, he gets both. Wow. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I got 19, right? But it was basically 10 to 20. You could keep one. 20 or higher, you could keep both. Under 10, nothing. Fun. Damn. Ooh. Damn. Not to be pedantic here, but uh, Xander still doesn't know what he is. It's never told, he was never told he's a warlock. He does not know that word in reference to the things that he's able to do. So he's still going around like, I can shoot things with my fingers. I saw a TikTok about that and it actually, it made a lot of sense where it's like, no one aside from wizards 
should know the name of their spells. No one should really know what their class is. In yep. as far as like in D and D, like you're not gonna grow up and be like, I want to be a paladin. Right. No, you're gonna go have an oath of something, and you're not gonna know what the name of that is. And it was like only wizards should know their the names of their spells because you're actually like writing and studying, studying and mm-hmm. learning. But it's like a bard goes up to a bard. It's like it was like, yo, what's your vicious mockery sound like? Like no, <laughs> you just don't <laughs> have you don't have that terminology for the right. things that you can do. And I think that fits a lot here because I'm not gonna like Sebastian's not gonna go into a tavern and be like your local bards here, and Xander's not gonna walk in and be like. Pew, warlock time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess in in a way, yes, but that's kind of like if you're in your own bubble, right? Because like mm-hmm. we, even though like, I, I don't know, there are, if someone becomes an assassin by trade, like that's the decision that they made, even if they never heard the word assassin because it was, you know, the language that they speak or whatever, other people would see what they can do and be like, oh, that thing is called an assassin. And they could then say to that person, that's an assassin. It's like, we know what soldiers are. We know what um, what librarians mm-hmm. are. <laughs> Those are my four, cl- <laughs> my three classes, assassin, soldier, and librarian. <laughs> librarian. <laughs> And uh, so, I mean, like, they're in the world that would be able to, someone might be able to recognize it and be like, oh, yeah, you can, you do this thing, therefore you are probably X. But you are right about the spell names. Like, no one would know their spell unless they saw it compared to someone else's or read about it in a book or... Or their patron tells them, hey, here's your gift, Eldritch Blast. That's true. It goes boom. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. You might be able to recognize it like something like, like fireball. You like mm-hmm. you send that out and it's like, I'm sending out orb of fire. And it's like you're you're <laughs> not quite. kind of right. But <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah, so it makes it makes sense that you like call your ow. Just got bit by a dog. Um <laughs> you call you like you call it good vibes, because you're like, yeah. I have no word mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. Yeah. Good vibes, finger guns, like I, I've been I've tried to like come up with in character names for things when I am like talking about them, but obviously a lot of our combat we are we're not necessarily in character when we say I'm gonna cast fireball, mm-hmm. I'm gonna do uh shatter or whatever. But when you talk about it, it's like, yeah, I got these finger guns sending out good vibes and uh, and stuff like that. So I, I think we are probably approaching it the most realistic way any D&D campaign can do it. I'll say it. So speaking of combat, I do want to actually shift and talk about the combat we had this episode. Because, like, how the fuck did you all get upstairs? Sorry, bro. <laughs> you let one person get past with magic and it's like, well, we got magic too. I know. Yep. I know. And, and I loved it. I think it made that scene of killing Nomura like great. Because, like, at that point, one round, you guys would have killed Nomura. So I just right. I made it more cinematic. Oh. But yeah, I was not expecting you all to get up there. It was very much an anime ending right there with like <laughs> oh, everyone yeah. throwing out attacks, like um, Blueberry healing me, Sebastian throwing out fireball, the arrows with the Eldritch Blast, and it all just kind of, in my brain, it all like melded together and did like the super powered beam. The slods just downstairs like, hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> what the heck, man? I do want to talk about one thing that I didn't get to do with this combat because I was actually super excited about this, especially when Sebastian and Jet, you fell into the Astral Sea. The start of every turn you're in there, you had to do a wisdom saving throw. You guys always passed. Yeah. I used Lucky on my first one. Yes. So 
If you failed that, it was a DC 16, you would roll a D100. And I had a list I found online of D100 backstories. They were like each a <laughs> sentence each. Oh. And whatever you rolled, those are the memories you would get from that person who was trying to take over your body. So like one, I was like practicing with Allie. So she like rolled to D100. And there was like a pirate who was the like the last one alive after their ship went down and everyone else drowned. You would have just started to drown. You would have literally not been able to use uh, verbal spell components because you were literally feeling like you were drowning. I think that could have been a lot of fun. I love improv stuff like that. So it would have been really fun, but I didn't get to do it. But that's okay. Yeah. Oh, man. Reuse it down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's definitely one of those things that you can hold on to for, you know, the next time we're in the astral plane. The next time we fall into an ocean of dead people. <laughs> yeah. You, I mean, I remember real early on, you had kind of hinted at the fact that you had a, a plan for if one of us died. Yes. And you guys learned a bit about it. Because those who are plane touched, meaning they have gone from one plane to another, they have a little more access to movement when they're traversing between planes. Those who are plane touched when they are dying, if their soul is to go to the Astral Sea, because in Fendria there are different places your soul can go, especially depending on if you have pledged yourself to someone specifically, or you prayed to someone, or they have taken a hold of your soul. When your soul, when your body dies, your soul will go that direction. Because of something that happened long ago, there is a plane that is in between Fendrea and the astral plane, and that is pandemonium. If a soul is headed towards the astral plane and they are plane touched, they can control themselves enough that if they would like to, they can go to pandemonium. And there are dead adventurers there who their bodies are preserved and they essentially like allow souls to like have a second chance, but then they have to like fight through the horrors of pandemonium to hopefully get back to where they once were and they'd never be the same again. Wow. What? Dang. I want to play that game. Yeah, see, that would be interesting because if one of you died and went to pandemonium, we would probably do that person. So say uh, Xander died. Xander's soul went there. We would probably do a session where it was Xander in a new body and you three creating new characters of people who had died and gone to pandemonium. Oh, shit. Whoa. All right. Let's plan to kill Jet next episode so that we can. (laughs) (laughs) So I do want to talk a little bit more about this episode before we get too far off. There was more to the story of the twins than more than just what that being at the beginning told you. This being didn't know a lot more, but if he brought it up to Numora and Blightmore, they would have been more forthcoming with that information. They were essentially demigods coming from, you only know their father, who was Omis. Who's their mama? Do you think now that we stopped their contract to expand the forest, is Sire gonna come after us? I hope so. I want his power too. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're 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 getting long on time. So, um, is there anything else you guys would like to ask? Questions? Anything you want to bring up? I'm curious how how Lobos got with the magistrate and like how he does agree with them. Like, does he agree with their their magic stance? Ooh, I think that. When you, so the sort of justification that I, the gray area that I gave Lobos was kind of to go back to what you were, you all were talking about earlier, that in, in the Dungeons and Dragons world, it's a violent world. 
and people die all the time. But, uh, but, but death doesn't mean the same thing because people can get brought back and there's all of these different possibilities of what you can become after death. And so the kind of gray area that I gave him was that he's been, he comes from a pretty violent place in the sense that they're, they're having to fight back this like living forest that's dangerous. And so he, he kind of just, he wanted to leave. And I mean, they're a powerful system. And in the beginning, he wanted to be a part of it to see what that was about. And I kind of like, perhaps, possibly, how somebody might join the military and they have an idealized version of what it is, but then when they go into combat and they see it for what it really can be and how hard it could be and, 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 and the, the tough decisions that you make when you're in the field, I think that he's been in it so long that that's kind of what he sees it like. There are hard choices that you make and, and, and there are worse organizations and systems that if they were in power, then things would be way worse than they are now. So I think that he's kind of talked himself into seeing the bright side of something that can be not so great because it's possible to imagine something worse, if that makes any sense. Lobos is kind of low on the magistrate totem pole. Like you guys interact with and learn the stuff that's high up, like the stuff that is kept from the others. But on the front, like the magistrate is providing people with protection. They're providing weaponry. You saw it in Wooded Holly. They provided weaponry to the militia so they could defend themselves and keep themselves safe. You've seen it everywhere that people are just like happy the magistrate's there because they're feeding them because of all these different things. Like there's there's these different portions of like, yes, the magistrate is doing good. Lobos might be more pushed at and seeing that stuff rather than what you guys have been like seeing because you've gone to places that were terrible things have happened, but like people didn't know the magistrate and the Arcanum were the ones who destroyed Windermere and all the knowledge there. You are like one of the few people on this plane that knows that. Luis, the way that you played Lobos in the end there when we were like, can you just like pretend you didn't see us or whatever? And you're like, no. Like, I think you played that the most realistic way for that situation because mm -hmm. you knew us for 24 hours. You uh, saw us do something potentially selfless in a moment, but we admitted to being enemies of the magistrate for X, Y, and Z. And we maybe we didn't get specifically into why we were enemies, but you're like, like you saw us as potential threats to an organization that you're a part of. And even though we did, we had a moment of something like unique or like selfless or whatever word you want to put to it, you saw us do that. And you're like, okay, these aren't bad people, even if they're against us. Mm -hmm. You played it, I think, so well because you're like, I'm not gonna go after you guys. I'm not gonna attack you guys. I'm not gonna tell them exactly where you are, but you guys are still coming after this organization that I'm a part of. And even if I'm a little conflicted right now, like I know what I'm about and I don't really know what you guys are about. He did ask because, you know, all the, all the talk about LA and where you come from, you know, don't you have organizations where you're from that are a lot like this and or systems or whatever? And it's like, you know, I mean, I know, again, like, I know what LA is like, <laughs> mm -hmm. but Lobos doesn't. And you know, not to, not to poo poo LA, I like it here. There's, there's everything you can, anything that's possible is available here because it's so huge. <laughs> but uh, uh, 
I mean, I, I just like gray areas. I like to get to the nitty gritty of something and not just stay on the idea of it. That feels more human to me. But I want to I want to just say thanks again. You guys are really fantastic. I, I, I you really really are. You really are. I think I've said that Thank in every you. single every single chance. <laughs> I've had them all. You guys are so great. <laughs> it really is. Like I mean, it just it's so it, it was such a treat to be able to play with you. Thanks for having me. Keep doing it because you know there's there's something I uh, there's like a. a uh, a synchronicity. I don't know. There's just something really cool here. So it it really was an honor, Louise. It always sucks saying goodbye to guests when we have like we build such a a good bond with everybody so quickly, and you just fit right in. You came right in, and you gave us one hell of an ending to an arc. So <laughs> absolutely. Well, thanks you guys. You all help help set me up. So thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> yeah, Louise, sign us off. Uh, I, <laughs> Catch y'all next episode. Check out the behind the scenes. Sign up for the <laughs> Patreon. Patreon.com slash cast party. And there's going to be merch coming out, everybody. I just decided that there's going to be merch. Oh, yeah, that's actually true. Thank you all so much for listening. And again, one more huge thank you to Luis. We will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, goodbye. Bye, everybody.